Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP. Uh, happy Halloween, Father Chuck. It's early it, Halloween. Yes, it's, well, it's not exactly Halloween. It's October. It's always Halloween. <laughs> happy October. You guys don't understand Chuck. Halloween. It's a religious holiday. <laughs> it's a specific date. I don't, I, Satan's birthday. No. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't it's believe what, that. I, yeah, it's just what I've been told, man. <laughs> hey, so speaking of all that, I um, maybe this is – I don't know if this would be a topic of conversation for an episode or not, but um, the children's pastor at my church growing up, yeah. he um, he used to post these like – you know, like anti-Halloween signs all over his yard and how like everybody's kind of inadvertently worshiping the devil and all this stuff. And if kids came to his house, he gave out chick tracks nice. about the evils of Halloween instead of, nice. instead of candy. Um, pretty sure he got egged every year <laughs> and like chalked it up to like being persecuted for his beliefs. Of course. And of course I'm here with Matt Wells. Hello, my friend. Happy October. Hi. Happy October to you too. <laughs> I, I notice you have some bandages around your hands. I uh, Leave me a alone. mummy costume, I'm assuming. Yes, mum, mummy costume. That's it. <laughs> Is that what mummies do? I don't know. They mostly talk in Egyptian. Don't run at night. <laughs> we all we all get it. It's a bad idea. I tripped. I fell. And of course, it doesn't matter that it was late at night that I had to go for a run. But of course, I did it right in front of a group of people that, for whatever reason, decided <laughs> to stand outside and talk during that moment. So my pride was wounded more than the wounds. Um, yeah, because I wiped out. I, I ate it good. Like just. I mean, these are some serious bandages on your hand, bro. Well, it's just not that bad. Keep getting hurt. While we do this podcast, every there's something Curses. new every time. So we have Matt's hands. Yeah. Curses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we missed you last week, Father Chuck. We're glad you're back. I'm. I'm glad I'm back too. Um, I. Um, I was. I feel a, like last week would have been a great episode for you. <laughs> listening to it tonight, I was so like I was yelling at you guys a couple of times driving. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a good episode. Um, I still actually have a few minutes left on it. I haven't finished it all the way, but I wanted to geek out about the Matrix with you guys. Yeah. And um, yeah. What What did we miss? What were you yelling at? What were you yelling at us about? Well, it's just you know some some stuff on Gnostic Christianity that we could have talked about, and um, the um, some of the Lewis Carroll and just the textual layers and things that are going on in that movie philosophically. And um, one thing I thought it would be interesting to bring up is how um, I think that movie is largely responsible for the birth of Fedorians. I think that's one of the unintended <laughs> consequences of that movie. And I want to talk yeah. about Fedorians for our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those. Those men's rights activist types who wear fedora, fedora, ladies. and trilbies, ladies. yeah, or miladies, um, because they tend to wear lots of black trench coats and all that kind of stuff, and that seems to the red pill, yeah, and the whole red pill thing, and the and the yeah. and the sort of like armchair philosophizing that comes from, you know, they think that they've read some of the stuff, like the background of those yeah. movies, and that suddenly makes them super smart and superior to everyone, and they've been freed from the yeah, but. Um, Do you really think they read Simulation and uh, uh, Simulate? What's that book? Simulation. Simulacrum? Simulacrum? Yeah. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. I don't believe Keanu Reeves actually read it. He says he did. I don't believe him. I'm willing to bet that that they read the, like, like, I remember Barnes & Noble and stuff. They still sell them. It's sort of like 
the really? beginners, like sort of like the for dummies philosophy version of the. It's like the Matrix and philosophy. You know how the Christian version there was like the Gospel according to the Matrix, mm-hmm. yeah. which set off by the way that whole series of ridiculous Gospel according to books. Do you guys remember that mm-hmm. Gospel according to the Simpsons, Gospel according to like all that Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. I'll give that one credit though because like I, was there ooh, was there a Gospel according to Buffy? I think there might have been actually. Mm, interesting. I'm, I'm actually pretty no, sure that Buffy's Re- too evil to talk about. Actually, no, I think Relevant Magazine did an article on that once. Huh, interesting. Um, yeah. I can look that up someday. But um, but yeah, no, it would have been fun. It would have been fun yeah. um, to have to so, discuss it a little bit. Yeah. This movie's 17 years old, and I can't I remember the last time. 1999. I, actually, I can't remember the last yeah. time I actually talked about the Matrix. And then we did our episode, and then I went to church, and they're talking about, like, New Age and all that stuff, yep. and they start referencing the Matrix movie. And I'm like, what <laughs> is what going I, on? And what, <laughs> I love about, what, what I love about the Matrix, came out in 1989, came out as a late April, early May movie, mm-hmm. um, and, and, um, and was a complete, like, underdog movie. Like, I remember there was, like, almost no marketing about it, except for some stuff on the internet. And What is the Matrix was very... Uh... Right. As part of the campaign, I just remember a few TV commercials, and then like my best friend saw it, and he was like, "You have to go." And so we went yeah. like the next night, and it was just one of the most mind blowing cinematic experience. But one of the things that stands out to me somewhat tragically about that movie is that it released right around the time of the Columbine shooting. Right. Yeah. And um, that whole scene of them wearing trench coats shooting up the lobby, which I think is the best scene in that movie. Um, you know, there was it sort of cast a pall over that because there were people who were blaming that movie for for it which was impossible because the movie wasn't out when it happened right also i think is was the reason why i think boondock saints did not get a wide release when Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. it came out yeah that's right that's right because that that was really a big um more of a blockbuster but blockbuster and um, why the buffy episode earshot was delayed oh yeah that's that's very true yeah Yeah. great episode by the way well really quick um before we get into this episode i i i come bearing gifts uh-oh. Really? Do I you? do. Yes, I'm going to need. Um, I'm going to need JP's address because what I have here are oh, three. Oh my goodness, JP! Redemption starter kits. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That's right. Whoa! That's awesome. <laughs> here you go, Matt. Oh my gosh! They're they're made out of tin. They are factory sealed, <laughs> and it is copyright 2015 cactus game design so they still make these they still make that is incredible oh my gosh so i'll need your i need your address okay i'll get it to you how many miriams do i get (laughs) (laughs) so i've kept them fact i kept them shrink wrapped and factory sealed for you guys okay nice how long do i have to wait to open mine did did you get one for yourself i've got three bro got got one over here yeah Uh, okay i was gonna ask you have you looked through any of the cards yet no i've not opened it i wanted to do an unboxing. I initially had a plan to mail it to you with instructions. Uh, I was going to try to overnight it to you with okay. instructions to not open it until we were recording until I told you to. Oh, uh, that would have been fun. But <laughs> I just didn't have time. I've been super, super busy this week. But um, cool. anyway, but I have to I have to give a shout out. These, my mother had heard the episode where he talked about finding these. Yeah. And so she that as she was listening to the episode, she sent me a text message. She's like, "I found them on I found them on Amazon for like super cheap. Do you want them?" I was like, "That's amazing! Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you, mom. Thank you, Yvonne Browning. Thank you, Yvonne, Your champion, champion listener to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Our, if, our if anybody else ever. wants to donate some stuff to Masters of Divinity, we're also <laughs> we're also on the lookout for those Archangel comic books. So oh yeah, so yep. Yeah. So there we go. Redemption trading card game." 
Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get them. I'm gonna I'm gonna play oh, with Matt's them. Matt's open it. I wanna know if I have a Miriam. <laughs> just oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, could you just go through mine first and just get rid you can just take all my Miriams. Nah, bro. Just look at this. Just look at this. Look at this. People watch the video. That's amazing. I can't that's bringing back so many memories. They haven't changed a bit. We got some kind of like We got some foil cards. Some foil cards. Oh man. You got what, what's on the foil cards? Uh, we got Jeremiah the prophet and we've got uh, <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Um <clears throat> May search deck for garden tomb or burial shroud. May ban to Nicodemus. <laughs> All right. I don't know what any of these numbers or anything mean, but... Um, but we're going to find out. <laughs> it's been um, a long time. I don't remember at all how to play. Oh, me neither. Oh, wow, this Jeremiah cannot be negated. Mm-mm. This, is a, this, uh, is a, this is a good one right here. All right. Nice. Well, today's topic um, is going to be fear. Uh, it's a topic that we've been wanting to cover for a while now, and we figure Halloween is a good time to cover it, or Halloween Ooh. season. <laughs> um, All Saints Tide, get it right. Yeah, so I'm going to start off, uh, as I normally do, with a question. Chuck? Yes, sir. What do you fear more? The technological singularity or bears? <laughs> Probably the technological singularity. Good choice, my friend. What's the technological singularity? The technological singularity is when humans and machines merge. Oh, the Apple Watch. Got it. No, because it's still external. <laughs> it's, it's mostly That's about the, uh, the out-of-control growth of artificial intelligence. Right. And humanity transcends biology and goes right. on to... And that terrifies like that, me. That, that, that Johnny Depp movie. Johnny Mnemonic? No, no. <laughs> Tran- is it trans- transcendent? Transcendence. Oh yeah. Transcendence. I actually kind of liked that movie. Yeah, you would. I did. I I watched, I watched uh, it with my wife. I was like, I actually liked it. I don't understand why it was so hated. I never directed saw it. By, just... Directed by Wally <laughs> Fister, cinematographer on most of Christopher Nolan's movies. All right. Um. So. So fear, you guys. You didn't especially... ask Matt what his, what his two fear things were. Oh, okay, Matt. What do you fear more? Speaking in front of people. Oh, come on. Or something happening to your hand again. Sharks. (laughs) I'm afraid of something happening to my hand again because that would cause blood and blood attract sharks and they're going to get me. They're out to get me. Very reasonable. You both have very reasonable fears. Uh, Matt with (laughs) sharks, Chuck with the the technological singularity. These These are fine things to be afraid of because they are innate to us. As, as human beings, they keep us alive. That's sort of the, the function of fear, correct? I mean, I, what do you I, think about? I think, I mean, there's there there is that sort of instinctual biological concept of fear, which is in that whole like fight or flight right. concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I think there's a distinction between that and then like the sort of like existential fear. Okay, that we that we that we see also as a major part of our existence that I don't think is that I think is sort of a crippling problem for us. Do you think that an existential the existential fear are you talking about sort of like our our self-awareness like a fear of death or yes in the sense of like not fear of death in the sense of like self-preservation right like so you're you know you're walking in the woods and a grizzly bear comes at you you have a fear of death that's going to you know, that's going to make you 
you know, do what you need to do to survive. Uh, grizzly bear guaranteed death, my friend. Yes. Um, but like, um, but like in the sense of like, how we joked a couple of weeks ago, like laying in bed and being like, oh, I'm going to die someday. Like <laughs> yeah. that kind of like, I'm terrified. Like my entire life is defined by my fear of one day dying. I think is a mm-hmm. very different kind of thing. So, but yeah, so the existential, to me, existential fear is that sense of like every aspect of your life is defined by something you're afraid of. Sharks. Where you, okay, that. <laughs> I mean, it defines pretty much every aspect. Which I would, I would argue that that fear of sharks for you, you're more afraid of pain than you are death. No, I'm afraid of razor sharp teeth that will kill me. Can you think about like oh, what a horrible way to die to be I'm consumed aware. to be consumed by another animal? I'm aware. Like that's such a perversion for us because we're like the top of the food chain on the planet. So the idea that like an animal can eat us, what a horrible way to go. Well, I mean, you'll you'll probably be dead first, right? Who, who's helping I right now? I know. I, I, Interesting. Swimming, so I, swimming in pools scare me because of it. It's not. So, it's not normal. It's not natural. So. Existential fear. Uh, what, what do you? What What are some existential fears that exist besides you know the, the the awareness of death? I would say there is a fear. I'm not sure how to what you would how you would term it precisely. Maybe it's oh yeah, there's a psychological term. There is. It's called um, asthenia. Okay. And that is the um, Full disclosure, I know the term solely through a Blink-182 song. That's why you're a master of divinity, Chuck. Um, asthenia <laughs> is, is, the, uh, is a psychological term that's applied, there's, and there's a specific type of it that is experienced by astronauts, um, who when they, when they the, some, some astronauts experience when they go into space and they recognize how small Earth is. I've heard of this, yeah, yeah. Um, and that affects them because there's a certain hopelessness that comes with that. And I think there's a fear... And I think some people get that, like, um, I've been watching Mad Men, as I mentioned, a few episodes, and um, one of the episodes recently dealt with some of the first photos of Earth from, like, you know, the moon. Like, people who, they haven't landed on the moon yet, but, like, you know, doing probes and mm-hmm. sending things to kind of go around the moon in the lead up to Apollo. And these photos of Earth from that far away, and there are people talking about how, like, terrified they are. By that concept, and which is kind of crazy for us to think about, because like uh, us three, we've lived our entire lives knowing about Earth that way. We've all we've seen those photos from as early as we can remember. But right. think about people who like one day, like like they see it for the first time. Um, but and, I also I also think part of us you you don't believe it, and that's why astronauts still face that. Like part of you don't believe it until you see it. Mm-hmm. Like it's this concept of oh yeah, we're this little ball in the middle of this like endless black universe. Uh, pale blue dot, as Carl yeah. Sagan called it. But but we're like, yeah, totally. But then you go out in a space shuttle and look back and go, we really are, and like have this panic moment. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird for me because uh, not to like try to paint myself into some kind of better place than other people, but like I've done a lot of. That's that's a thing that's fascinated me. Just trying to kind of grasp the try to, to try to attempt to grasp just some modicum of like what the size of the universe is, you know. Mm-hmm. And just the other day, in fact, I was looking at, you know, this kind of I think Wikipedia page about the size of the universe. And there's a really cool um, photo, se- photo series that's on it that shows kind of like, you know, where we are in the known universe. And to realize how insignificant we are um, in the grand scheme of things. But to like learn that like right now, as far as we know, there is no other life on any other planet. As far right. as we know, we are the only life in the entire universe. To think about, like, 
how accidental that feels sometimes. But for me, it doesn't. That doesn't give me an existential dread. Mm-hmm. It actually leads to a type of frustration for me, because to think like, okay, like I have this awareness, and this awareness is very easy for almost anyone on the planet to grab to to, to get their hands on, you know, like to just read it and just really ponder and think about it. When you have that, you sort of realize how stupid so many of the things we deal with in our world are, right. like the fact that we still kill each other over natural resources. The mm-hmm. fact that we have people who their entire lives are defined by how much money they can make. Like to me, all of that becomes so empty and stupid <laughs> when yeah. you realize how unique we are in the universe. And so for me, it's a po- it's sort of a positive thing. It frustrates me, but it turns to a positive thing for me to think about us not as small and insignificant in that kind of negative sense, but in the fact that we are incredibly unique. And so we should cherish what we are. So for me, it's a motivator in that, but it, it's not it's not like a negative motivator. It's a positive motivator. And you could say that even that perspective you have is what makes us unique as well. Right. Our own self-awareness and our, and our place in the universe. Right. And that's actually something I've um, – I just did a class a couple weeks ago with sixth graders. We were talking about the birth of human civilization and all of that. And um, I talk about evolution and, and – um, and where we're at as a species. And I mentioned that, you know, we, we're called homo sapiens because we have something called sapiens, which is a scientific term for the quality that we would refer to as wisdom. Um, and it, it's, it's our capacity to ask the question why no other animal on the planet can ask that question. Um, you know, pretty much any animal can sort of in some sense or another, you know, understand what, where, you know, what and where, maybe mm-hmm. even somewhat how, right. Um, you know, like a dog can be trained to know that if I hit this certain lever, food's going to pop out. So I know that like, I know how food arrives. Like I know what where to get it, what it is and how to get it, but why I get it. A dog can't answer that question. Dolphin what about can't Coco? answer that question. What about Coco? The, the monkey, I, I yeah, the gorilla. I, I don't, I've not done enough reading about Coco, but I don't, but the sense to me is that Coco is just pretty much taught things. I, I watched she, a lot of Coco videos this week. Really? Yeah. So you could say more about it, but I get the sense that she just more or less repeats what her trainers have taught her and that she doesn't really like, and like there may be some degree of communication, but she doesn't seem to have like a, be able to conceptualize. Well, the video I saw is interesting. I mean, it, the whole thing could just be a scam. I don't know. The video I saw, she was watching her favorite movie, which is uh, Tea with Mussolini. And at the very, and I, and I guess at I the end of the movie. Congo. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tickle me. Um, (laughs) Bad uh, monkey, bad, go away. (laughs) Um, So at the end of T. Mussolini, I guess there's a part where, like, the the parents separate from, like, the kids. And it actually, like, made Coco sad where she, like, turned away from the screen. Right. She made, like, the the gestures of, like, um, going away or leaving lonely. Hmm. Well, I mean, animals can animals can animals can feel emotion. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, you know, freaking dog can feel emotion, but the sense of like conceptualizing what, you know, what I mean, like asking why do I feel lonely? Like that's that's you know, right. basically the realm of philosophy in, in religion. That's only that's something only we can do. But anyway, we've really gotten off the topic of. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do here. Is it okay to be afraid? What do you guys think, Matt? I want to hear from you. I would say yes, but it's in what sense and to what extent would be the questions that go with it. Um, I think it's very clear in Scripture that Jesus felt fear. 
um, when he was praying in the garden, there's that mm. moment of um, sweating drops of blood and saying, I don't, saying that if there's any way for this to, to pass from me, if there's any other way for this to happen, do that, but your will be done. Um, I think that to me that does show, to me it shows a type of fear. I think living in fear is where it becomes wrong. I think mm-hmm. that when fear becomes the driving force, it becomes a, um, almost becomes that you become almost like your own idol. Because if you're living your life in fear, the truth is what you're most concerned about is yourself. Um, but I think to feel afraid is just a momentary, like an emotion. There's a, there's a right. fear that's an emotion. And I don't think an emotion is wrong or an emotion can be sin. Okay. I think to allow yourself to be controlled by it well, is a different yeah. question. But I, I mean, think... well, I know Jesus. I mean, Jesus does say that if you know if you're angry with somebody, you're effectively guilty of murder, right? I mean, he does. Well, of course, he's angry and be angry and said not. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I think that Jesus was afraid in the garden, though. I think it was dread. Um, I I don't think it was fear. I don't think he was afraid of the Romans. And I, and and for me, it's you know, as Paul articulated, you know, ideas rooted in Jesus, and he said that. Perfect love casts out fear. So, and the cross would think, have been the perfect act of love. And so, I don't know, the idea that Christ who embodies the full love of God, to have a moment of fear, I don't know, that that, that doesn't sit well with me. But again, I think that I think that you're you're talking about different types of fear. Um, and, that, and that may really just be like, possible. Just yeah. like different types of anger. Um, I think that, like Christ, who is the perfect embodiment of love, also exemplifies anger where he mm. turns over tables in in the right. temple and he yeah that's why i kind of walked back i kind of walked back my statement on anger because so jesus I, has said be, jesus says be angry and sin right not. So, so that's that's different than harboring murderous right. thoughts for people so that's what i mean by i think that when we say fear it depends on what you mean that's why i, I to answer that question i would have to ask well what do you mean like to be afraid like to have a moment well, of because i would say dread is a in in our limited understanding, dread is an aspect of the emotion of fear. Like I'm dreading something happening doesn't mean I'm not going to do what I have to do. Doesn't mean that I'm going to sway or err from where I'm supposed to be. But there's an aspect of it that you that you're not looking forward to happening, which would be the same. Do you think that what Jesus experienced was more of a anxiety than fear? Well, no, no, because anxiety I have a harder time with because anxiety to me, um, that's a more, how do I explain this? Well, I I have a, there's more, I have a a passage here Mm -hmm. that contrasts fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. It says in contrast to fear, anxiety is a general state of distress that is longer lasting and fear and usually is triggered by something that is not specific, even though it produces physiological arousals such as nervousness and apprehension. Yeah. Well, and I, well, what Adults, I, both can be triggered by response to threat. Yeah. And what I what I was going to say is, I think that, like, like I said, to be afraid of something, like to walk up behind somebody and go "boo," the fear that they fear feel in that moment is a it's an emotional response. It's a adrenaline right. rush. Um, anxiety would be living my life afraid of the person coming up behind me going boo. Um, And to me, that's already, and this is not looking down on people with anxiety in any way, shape, or form, but to me, that's already struggling with um, 
allowing fear to to be a driving force. When you're lost in anxiety, you're already centered on a fear of something. Um, you, you use a phrase that I actually really like that I, I, would, I would love to talk about. You use the phrase living in fear. Mm-hmm. Is there a big dist- is, is there a distinction between living in fear and having anxiety? Um, I think that there's a distinction from our understanding in the in the sense that anxiety can also have physiological uh, right mm-hmm. reasons, um, mm-hmm. which is why I say I don't want to look down on I'm not talking down on people who deal with anxiety. Of course not, because there are physical things that can cause anxiety in people who struggle with with panic attacks and stuff because of a physiological nature. Right. Like like when your friends decide to ask their wives to sit on the podcast without telling you. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, that's definitely triggering anxiety. Yeah. But no, I think that if you live in if you live an anxious life, again, I'm not talking it's the same as like depression and clinical mm-hmm. depression. Right. Um there's anxiety in both ways. If you live your life in a state of anxiety because of a fear that you have allowed to take root in in your in your life, I think that that to me is where you are allowing you are living in fear. You're allowing it to control you. You're making your decisions based on your fear, um, and that is where I think we start. You start getting into the territory of of where I would say it becomes wrong. And mm-hmm. where we have to work through that, and yeah, because there's a choice there. And to use it, to use a Christian Christianese word, but you need to repent in the sense of turn away from it, um, not as in like, you know, we have this idea that repent is like I'm so sorry, but it's it's turning away from it. It's 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 going. I can no longer allow this to control me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like to be afraid can be momentary, fleeting, and just a natural response as a human being to to just about anything. Um, you right. can get afraid from standing in a room and all of a sudden all the lights go off. I don't think that that moment of like, oh my gosh, what's happening is sin. <laughs> when the lights go mm-hmm. off and you're like, what just happened? But if I live my life paranoid about um, what's going to come out of the dark, then then it's a different story. It's, it's if allowing you never turn control. your lights off for the rest of your right. life. Right. If you don't swim in the ocean because you're afraid of those razor sharp teeth that might get you <laughs> which and, is valid right it's valid yeah i mean come on but <laughs> but if that has led to let's just let's hypothetical guys hypothetical we're just going <laughs> hypothetical here okay. let's say that has led to arguments with your spouse because they want to have a day at the beach and you don't want to go to the beach because you don't like swimming in the ocean because i am allowing a fear of a one in whatever crazy high number chance of something biting me, keeping me from enjoying a day with my kids and making memories. Um, I actually believe that I have something there that I need to work through and get past. Um, now, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why we get this guy on, on our podcast. We need to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, just, we'll talk to him someday. Um, <laughs> Uh, what are you going to say, Chuck? Okay, I'm just going to... I'm just going to kidnap him one day and throw him on a Throw me in the ocean. No, see, <laughs> see, then there is fear in the sense that I think is common sense, and that goes to surfing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's well, kind but, of... Do body surfing. You can, you can touch the bottom, but you're, like, right in the thick it's of it, kind, man. It's kind of like, you know, there's something wrong with me denying my family of making these memories and enjoying it because I'm afraid of something. And then there is not 
covering myself in fish guts and swimming through the middle of the ocean. Like there, there's, there, I mean, come on. Related to this, JP, because you know we're talking about is it is it wrong? And to use Christian language, is it a sin? Right. Um, just the thought popped in my head. One of the things that I always heard growing up, I don't know if either of you did, um, because we grew up in very similar church environments. One of the things that I always heard was that you should never say your fears out loud because then Satan can exploit those. <laughs> I, um, hmm. Okay. I so heard... is, is, it, is that true? Or is I, it... <laughs> I have never seen a Bible verse that says anything to that effect, but that's something that I, that I heard. Can we, can we ask say. him? I think, that, I think that's dumb. Um, for, but <laughs> I will say I heard, it take, I heard it taken even further to the extreme. Um, and I will say, because I've made it clear on this podcast, I believe that like I've been at the same church my entire life. So I will say this wasn't at my church. This was at my Christian's high school um, where I actually heard somebody take it so far as to say, uh, for somebody like me, I'll make it very personal. If you are afraid of being attacked and killed by a shark, that is how you're going to wind up dying because if you allow that sin to be in your life, God will use that. It's very, it's very. That makes God vindictive. uh, Yeah, it's. What's what's that the the secret kind of thing like? It's putting out the universe and yeah. it'll catch up to you, yeah. whatever. I've actually yeah. I've actually heard that taught. On... Don't you put that evil on me, Rocky Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, fear. Well, lots of warped, warped ideas. <laughs> well, can I can I tie this in to Halloween? Can no. I can I can I shine <laughs> a little bit? Sure, jerk. <laughs> so, do you think that Halloween that there is a certain I mean, Chuck, I know you probably are very familiar with the history of Halloween. Yes. Uh, it's, it's religious roots. Um, do you think that there is an aspect of Halloween we are kind of celebrating fear? Halloween is a Celtic holiday. Right. Um, there are parallels to it in other cultures, um, Day of the Dead, things like that, that have um, all centered around the, um, what is called the Trigium of All Saints, which is the three feast days associated with All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Um, All Hallows Eve um, is where we get the name Halloween. I know people try to make it this whole like evil thing, but it just means it's just a truncated way of saying um, Hallows Even, so Halloween. Um, that's why you see sometimes a, a, little, a little asterisk between the two E's in Halloween because it's Reverend Halloween. But right. anyway, a lot of people from Greenwich Village like to spell it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little smug people. <laughs> yeah, just like oh yeah. So just like the little omelet thing over cooperation in the in the uh, New Yorker. But anyway, so 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 yeah. So the so what I what I look at this because you know these kinds of festivals really became a big deal in the Middle Ages in in European Christian communities, um, particularly far Western European Christian communities. And there's a there's like another day I can't remember what feast it, what, what saint it surrounds, but there's a feast day where everything was inverted. So like the children would dress up as the bishop, and mm-hmm. would act like the clergy, and it was just sort of like a you know it was a it was a reversal of everything. And what I see all of that is a sort of a pressure valve for these mm-hmm. for for these societies. And I think I think that there is a fear element. I don't know if it's like a sort of a celebrating of fear, but I think it's a pressure valve element to the church. Um, to acknowledge these things. I mean, what I find fascinating about it and where I'm, and I, I, where I'm concerned in our society around our downplaying of, particularly in the church, in Christianity, I shouldn't say in society, in Christianity, downplaying the importance of the All Saints Trigium is that, you know, this acknowledged the role of death 
in our society. You know, Earth has a 100% mortality rate. Nobody gets out of life alive. Right. Um, so the idea that there's a, there, there's, a, there's a period of time, a three-day period of time that is centered around the fact that death happens and that it's a part of our existence and that we can sort of celebrate in the face of it you know, depowers it. Whereas now we live in a world where it's like, oh, it's so morbid. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about mm-hmm. death. And it's like, you know, Christians, then, you know, we have this other flip side of it. Christians are like, well, it's a day about death. And we, you know, that's just, we don't do that. We don't talk about that because death has been defeated by Jesus and this whole like thing. Um, but the reality to me is that it's, it's, it's built in as this way for us to confront and deal with it in a pretty healthy way in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I don't know if, I mean, there's obviously a scary fear element to it, but like I said, I think it's a spookiness. Spookiness. I think it's a. I think it's just a pressure valve kind of thing, um, for people to have that that this period of time during the year to really sort of acknowledge this reality that sort of hangs over everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Halloween's roots are this idea that because um, it's 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 largely rooted in the Celtic festival of Samhain. Where um, Ooh, you better pronounce that right, buddy. <laughs> what isn't it Sam Young or something like Sam Sam Young? Okay, I don't know. Whatever. I've always heard of Sam Hain because <laughs> the people who say Sam Hain is the, the name of the devil. Anyway, yeah. okay. Um, first name Sam, last name Hain. Anyway, um, so whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know Gaelic. Come on. I think it's. I think it's like we need Keelan I, in I, here. We need Keelan I think it's. It. I think it's Sam Young. Sam okay. I don't well, know. Whatever. I don't know it is. either. Whatever it is, um, I mean that that festival was part of this belief that on that night, that was the night when souls passed over into the afterlife. So the souls of the deceased wandered the earth until that night, um, and that's all related to this Celtic belief of thing called thin places, where there are there are periods of time and geographic locations where the barrier between this world and the next is thinner. And so that ah, night was the night where it was so lined cool. up. Yeah, and so <laughs> what would happen is is that that night. The souls before they went before they passed over into the next life, they were al- uh, they were allowed to either visit or get vengeance on someone, right? And so they so what they would do is they would um, two things that would start happening was they would um, take gourds, not necessarily pumpkins, but gourds, and they would mm-hmm. carve these faces in them as a way to sort of distract them or whatever. But then they would also wear costumes so that they would look like different people as a way to confuse these spirits so that. You know, they would think that, you know, it was like the idea that somehow they wouldn't know that they were dressed up in a costume or whatever. But um, that's the roots of, of it. Because apparently... So, and, when Patrick, and so when Patrick came to, the, came to Ireland, he thought, hey, this, this works within the, within the Christian realm. We just baptize it and turn it, into, and, and turn it into recognizing, you know, this sort of All Saints idea that we have. And so that's where that all comes from. So it's a very yeah. Christian holiday. And I mean, it's, it's got pagan roots, but it's become a very Christian holiday. And, right. you know, it pretty consistent with a lot of Christian theology. But anyway, yeah, but yeah, that's the that's the that's the background for it. How do you think this sort of going over that history, which is great by the way, Chuck, thank you. How do you think this sort of relates to fear? Like did, you said it was a pressure valve at first talking about sort of reconciling death. In a yeah. Way. Well, I mean, you think about it. Like people, you know, in in that world, people died all the time. I mean, yeah. Child mortality rates were super high. So like people had children who died. Mm-hmm. On a regular basis, like that was just a, that was a thing. Women died giving birth to children. I mean, death was every day, and it hung over people's heads. And so, in most, and you think about it, just in a practical sense of society, there's only so much 
contemplation and things around that that you can do. And there's this sort of existence around like this is going to happen at any moment to any of us, you know, whereas now we don't think about it that way. We we put it off until the last possible minute. Um, and, and sometimes we never think about it until we're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but in this, in that society, I think like it hung over your head. And so there is a sense of like, either, you know, you were always aware of it and, you know, and maybe didn't have the time to really sit and process it because it was such a normal thing. Right. And well, there's, but, and then, but then, so there's, there's clearly a fear. I mean, it's, it's, it's a primal fear of humanity is to not die. Mm-hmm. And so I think as the church, we've created these, this feast day, this, 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 this festival time, this season, this little three day season around this recognition that death happens and that, yeah, we're afraid of it, but we can celebrate in the face of that because for Christians, we know that there's a life to come and that death does not have the final say that in the end there's resurrection. And so while we might be afraid of this thing, we also recognize that, you know, we're going to also celebrate the fact that people have passed on and are, you know, receiving their rest and their reward and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, it allows us to acknowledge it and allows us to have some fun with it in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and it allows us to, you know, to scare the crap out of each other. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, and it's a scary time of year. I mean, just, it just fits, you know, it just yeah. fits. Everything's dying. The moon acts really weird for some reason. Huh? <laughs> the moon acts really weird for some reason. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Outside. The moon is actually yeah, really cool. Right now, here. by the way. Um, you know, so, and you know, it's all well, I, I, I love this idea that Halloween and, and I know it's, it's, it's rooted in, in, in pagan beliefs. I love this idea that Halloween is when the, uh, veil between our reality and the next life is like thinnest. Yeah. Like that's, that's my jam. Yeah. That's a, that's a Buffy episode. <laughs> it totally is. It's Buffy. It's Ghostbusters, whatever. Uh, it's also uh, stranger things. What you think about it? Mm-hmm. I've not seen that yet. Chuck, now's a great time to watch it. Actually, yeah, I probably should do that. I wait for the perfect time. Yeah, I should. I but should again, my it. wife is very sensitive to these scary to scary things, and so it's it's scary. It is yeah. scary. I, I I won't sugarcoat it. it. It's pretty. It's I wouldn't like. There have been people that have been kind of recommending and say, "Oh, it's just like Goonies." No, yeah. <laughs> it's it's and I mean, kind of a little, but not. Mm-mm. Yeah, if the Goonies were fighting it, maybe like. If there was a scene where, like, you thought that Chunk was actually dead and you saw his corpse, yeah, sure, I guess it'd be like the Goonies. All right. So I love the fear aspect of Halloween. Haunted houses, um, definitely a a time of year where you just kind of binge horror movies. You know, I I love love the, 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 the iconography of, like, castles and full moons and graveyards and pumpkins and witches and you know even sort of the whimsy magical stuff we'll probably get more to that you know another episode this month um so there's that you know there's some controversy about you know in some christian circles about halloween and how things like death shouldn't be celebrated and how we should not be full full of, of fear but I mean, let's let's but but let's be honest that there are there are sometimes where fear can be fun, right? Yeah. I mean, it's why you watch horror movies. It's why you go to haunted houses. It's probably why you surf, Chuck. Why you surf you a skateboard? Think... Yeah, yeah. And it's why I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you do like horror movies. I know that yes. about you. I don't surf and I can't run. Why do you think I would skateboard? <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I I just realized there's sort of like a dichotomy going on here. Like Chuck, you you surf. 
and and Matt finds that extremely fearful. And I know how Chuck you feel about horror movies, and you know Matt likes horror movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess I don't so know. have we told the listeners what Chuck's Father Chuck's feelings on horror movies. I mean, I think like when we talk about the witch, like in episode two, we kind of touched on it, but we're, we're, just just for, just for the for for the new for the fans fear episode. I'm actually not opposed to all horror movies. Where I draw a line is in gratuitous depictions of human suffering. Um, And so, like, anything in the ove, is that the right word? Anything in that. Oh, yeah, ouvoir. The ouvoir of... of uh, <laughs> I don't think that's actually how you say it. I thought it was ove, anyway. Why don't, why, don't you just, why don't you all just say anything in the realm of... <laughs> no, Oof is the is the it's, it's, it's a collection. The, it's it's like a collection, a, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In the filmography of Eli Roth, yeah, um, is pretty much out of the question for me. Well, um, yeah, and plus this movie suck anyway. Yeah, so. they're out of the question for me whether you have a problem with horror movies or not. Yeah, like, <laughs> stuff that like stuff that like disturbs me on like a psychological spiritual level, like you guys talked about with the witch. That's where I that's where I kind of have a I have a problem, but like. I enjoy I enjoy a slasher film. I mean, one of my I will stand by two of my favorite movies um, are horror films, and that is Alien mm-hmm. and um, Halloween. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Like I, everything you just said about like human suffering and how you you, you don't like gore fests. Like one of your favorite movies is Alien, right? Quite possibly one of the most disturbing movies ever made. I guess because it involves because of the science fiction element for me, and it's in the future <laughs> that there's like there's just a there's a there's a it not only deals a, it not people only were having with, heart attacks in yeah, theaters. It not only deals with suffering and gore, but it also goes into deep existential realms of the smallness of humanity and the the um, claustrophobia of space and like you're. Yeah, you pick like the honestly, <laughs> honestly, I found I found Interstellar more disturbing on that regard than I did alien. Yeah. Like that part where they, where they left for like a couple hours and come back guys, like you've been gone for 20 years. Like, ah, Oh my good. Lord. Well, no, that in the scene where like the one guy like knocks on the wall and he's just like between us and like, there's like two inches between us and like death. It's yeah. like space. That movie makes space scary. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, I like, those are, those are two of my favorite movies and I, I get it. I get it's weird, man. Like, I like Jaws. Jaws is technically a horror movie. Jaws yeah. is the most terrifying horror movie ever. Oh, please. Jaws. It's a horror movie and then it suddenly turns into an adventure film, which I love that about Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaws 2, I, I, JP stands by this great, this theory that it's the original slasher film. Um, well, it, it's it, I wouldn't say it's right, but it came in the line of I think Halloween is the reason why Jaws two exists. Yeah, but Jaws two came out before Halloween. Did it? It did. Oh well, it, it it's a slasher around the movie. same time. Around, around the same time. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that movie. And I, I I was very surprised to find that I wasn't alone in this theory. Like yeah. people are saying a lot now. And the Shallows is all four Jaws movies rolled into one. Just, <laughs> is Michael Caine in it? It starts off does, as incredible. Does Jaws, does, eat, does Jaws, Jaws eat suddenly Mario Van Peoples? <laughs> it, 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 it starts off amazing and terrifying, and then it shifts into action-packed adventure, and then it turns into like this slasher that's out to get her, and then it ends on, what the heck was that? Does the shark so roar? It's all, all four. Four movies. Because the shark roars in Jaws the Revenge, which is incredible. <laughs> Roaring would actually be better than... They had to make opinion. it threatening somehow. They're in the Bahamas. It's like, you know... 
it roars and it dies it dies by getting hit by a boat because it jumps <laughs> and then it explodes and gets they it. had to show flashbacks it, of the first movie to it, see it dies the same way ursula does in the little mermaid well she doesn't explode actually i think she does she? I think she does. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, I want to. I wanted, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we don't have to make it about horror movies, but I, I do think that there is no, something. I, I, I was, I was reading some stuff and watching some, some videos on psychology and fear and horror movies and stuff, and why I watch scary movies. And there's a lot of theories. There's no consensus as to why we like scary movies. There's, there's none. And I think that's why it's, it's, it continues to be controversial. Why there are some people that are like, why do you watch horror movies like that? Matt and I were just talking about an article today that that I I, I retweeted. Um, uh, there was an article by somebody at Glamour who is 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 just perplexed at the idea that anybody would like horror movies. Not just perplexed, um, just if you like horror movies, you are the bottom of the bottom. Like you're the worst <laughs> of the worst. Because and... this girl watched The Ring one time and it disturbed her beyond all belief, and you're all crazy. That's basically the article. Um, it's the only so, movie she watched. That's way. weird. That's <laughs> yeah. weird. I mean, aside from aside from that, this one thing I've learned from you guys, um, particularly you, JP, um, is that when it comes to cinema, just in the, just the art of cinema, horror films are among some of the most original, creative things that are going on because of the camera work and the mm-hmm. and the and the, the and the building of tension and dread and things just through cinematic language and so like the idea that like you would just dis- discredit this entire genre that has been super influential to like probably oh, and, most filmmakers well and not only film though i mean it goes back horror the horror genre goes back as far as literature itself i oh, mean yeah. um and you think about some of the greatest works of literature arguably some people would say they're crap but some of the greatest works of literature that people have to read when they're studying literature and the art of writing are things like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein mm-hmm. and Bram, Bram Stoker's Dracula or Edgar Allan Poe. Right. It is something that has been around and has been kind of this like this this aspect of art that mm. has always been there and I think always been enjoyed and yet always talked about in a way as though as though it's like the seedy underbelly of art. Like right, the, right. And, and, and I, I consider, I think the horror genre, I'm going to call me Mr. Pretentious over here, but I think the horror genre is like the last mainstream bastion of the art film. Like I think the big, the, the big most successful horror films that have come out in the recent years, movies like It Follows, The Witch, The Babadook, um, those are essentially art films. Right. Yeah, and they and, hit the mainstream w- w- among young audiences well yeah. and like and like um i mean what i i don't know if it follows with it falls within the the realm of horror but like i think of a movie that i saw several years ago i saw it when it first came out in theaters i've only seen it that one time um with the movie hard candy oh yeah, yeah. um incredibly disturbing movie yeah, really. but really but I, I mean walking out of that movie just thinking about what it was doing cinema you know cinematically was incredible i mean mm-hmm. the, the cast the cast list is five people Right. The entire film takes place within one house. The, the, and the way that it, again, you know, using like the way it uses cinematic language and the way it uses the camera to to disorient and to build, you know. I, I remember seeing The Shining for the first time. And one of the things why I never found The Shining scary because my buddy Josh and I, we sat and dissected the movie the entire time we watched it. We were just really fascinated at all the things that Kubrick was doing to make the film unsettling. 
Right. And so by being able to sort of dissect it, it wasn't scary to us. And I, and that's another movie that I think is an excellent, an excellent piece of art. So what I'm trying to get with this, with this horror rant, um, is fear can be fun. Yeah. And, and, and there have been, like I said, there have been studies on why they like horror movies and, and some people pause and I'm just using a couple of examples that I, I looked at before we pressed record. One is there's something called the pain. There's, there's an, there's a theory called the pain body, which is our, our sort of our collective memories of all of our trauma and depression and all these horrible things that we've experienced. And the reason why we watch horror movies or anything with any kind of trauma, whether it's the shining or saving private Ryan or, or any, anything that elicits trauma is because the pain body needs it to feed off of. And when it does, when it feeds off of that, it also, uh, energizes the trauma that we already have. And so this is actually kind of a theory that's been thought up by someone that says like, maybe you shouldn't watch so many horror movies because <laughs> it's actually going to bring up some of that trauma. There's also the idea of it being catharsis and that it's sort of like a, um, a purging of emotions. That's actually one that I agree with the most. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's definitely, that would fall into the realm of what I feel like um, for me when I go to see scary movies, because actually just to say for uh, Father Chuck sitting here, we actually wouldn't be that different on the type of movies we don't like. <laughs> um, I I love scary movies, and there's a lot of movies. And when you talk about scary movies, they, that falls into several different sub-genres. You know, there's like the suspense, right. the, the thrillers, and mm -hmm. then there's the horror genre. Most of what is flat out called the horror genre is actually not my not my cup of tea like i could pass on most of that now there's a lot of them out there that i actually do like but for the most part just gore for the sake of gore or um torture i don't like the torture stuff right right i, I don't i don't personally i don't get it. it that to me crosses into a different realm um but like the uh the halloweens the the um Actually, that's probably the only one. I'm not the biggest fan of Freddy or Jason, to be honest with you. Oh. Um, I'm just, I'm just not personally. I just don't care. Um, they also don't scare me. And Whatever. but, but I like, I like going in. And to me, where scary movies shine is an audience. To me, they are meant to be watched either with a friend or meant to be watched in in a perfect setting in a theater jam packed full of people. Mm -hmm. um, to to go through the experience of everybody jumping at the same time and that instant release of all of you cracking up laughing right after you just had the crap scared <laughs> out of you. Um, I told I said to somebody and they like didn't get it at all because they they don't like scary movies and they actually think there's something somewhat wrong with watching them. I said I've actually left scary movies feeling more uplifted than when I went in. And they're like you you would say that that uplifted you? I was like, yeah, because I went through this journey where we got to like, you got to jump, you got the adrenaline rush, you got the uh, the excitement of it, but then you left like going on about the moments where you jumped and cracked up laughing and had a good time. I was like, it was that was an uplifting experience. I'm not saying the plot to the movie was uplifting. I'm saying the experience was. Um, like for example, one of my favorite memories was going with my cousin Megan to see Final Destination for the first time when it first came out. <laughs> oh, I've got, um, I've got a story about that. And when we walked out of the theater, we were joking around because we had just, like, jumped and been tense through this whole movie. So we're leaving. It's late. We're cracking up laughing about it. And all of a sudden, there's, like, this loud crashing noise. 
and without knowing it, I had knocked over a wet floor sign, but it's like a scene from the movie. Right. From my perspective, yeah. I'm looking her in the face, and I look down and see wet floor, and I'm like, I'm going to die slipping. And she <laughs> she didn't find that too funny. She's like, shut up, that isn't funny. But, um, yeah. but one of my favorite movie-going experiences was that. Um, I've seen the movie since. I still think that's a great movie. The first one, I hate the other ones. Can, but but can it's I, not, it wasn't the movie. It was the experience that, can I, that can, I loved. Can I interrupt with a Final Destination anecdote that I haven't shared on this podcast yet, but I've shared with you guys before? Okay, sure. And I have one, too. Okay. So, uh, I actually, I, I love Final Destination, at least the first one. I don't really care about the sequels that I much. Hate, I, I hate the sequels. but that's... Yeah. Um, I love it. Uh, my dad also loves it. And Matt, you and I have had a thing <laughs> about Final Destination where uh, I think the first time you and I traveled, the first thing we, we did when we sat down in a plane was to make sure that the tray table latch was secure <laughs> and it wouldn't come out because that's what happens in the movie right and then the mm-hmm. plane crashes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we always do that i i did that for years years and years and years and years years one day um we did we did not i i did not at all do that when i got on the plane <laughs> to go to fan expo dallas by the way just, just for the <laughs> go I, ahead, so one day I, i'm actually going to travel with my dad from las vegas back to florida and the night before we were watching final destination <laughs> And um, I told him about that habit that you and I have, Matt, that whenever we get into a plane, we check the latch on the tray table and make sure it doesn't mm-hmm. fall because that means the plane's going to explode. My dad remembered this. And then the very next day we were well, while we were traveling, uh, he sat down. And while I was stowing away my luggage, he actually like played with the latch a little to make sure that when I sat down, the tray would fall into my lap. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and it freaked me out for like a hot second. And my dad, I look over my dad. He just starts dying laughing. <laughs> so, so here's my anecdote. I I went through this phase. I think we've all done that, where like you watch a movie and you kind of get a little too like invested too into it. Yeah, like yeah. you watch the Truman Show and you start to wonder, like, <laughs> is this is, was this someone sending me a message about my life? That didn't do that. Didn't do that to all of us when we saw the Matrix. Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. Like all of us were like, is this someone like trying? Is there someone out there trying to let us know? Yeah. Um, so, so Final Destination, I, I see it. I, so, and I, it's fairly soon before I go, I think, on my first mission trip when flying on a plane internationally. So for those who have not seen the movie, the movie opens with a, with a plane exploding upon takeoff. Which has made me uh, terrified of planes, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and, and what it deals with is that, is that there are people who were supposed to be on the plane who, didn't, who weren't on the plane. Yeah. And then death is basically hunting them down. As some sort of like balance in the universe thing, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of stupid the, when you overthink yeah. it. But no, yeah. it's awesome. The um, villain of the movie is death itself. I so think it's great. So, but here's the thing that got me about that movie is Devin Sawa is the main character in the first one, and I guess he's in the others too, right? But no, nope. no, nah, this is the mm-hmm. first one. This okay, the first one. so he's in the first one. He dies from a brick. Carry on. <laughs> he didn't die. Oh no! Carry on. I'll, I'll oh, tell you whatever. Out. Anyway, not on camera. Not on camera. <laughs> so the whole movie is about this kid who's obsessed with looking for the clues about death and basically trying to beat death's plan. So he's, you know, trying to stay one step ahead mm-hmm. of death and looking at all these clues, right? So that's the, that's the thing. So again, I'm in this mindset where I get a little too into movies and I see them as sort of speaking to me, right? Yeah. Does anyone here know what Devin Sawa's character's name is in that movie? <laughs> Alex Browning. Alex Browning. Yeah. My name, my full legal name is Charles Alex Browning yeah. II. So when so they show his, his passport and it's second. Alex Browning, I'm like, oh my gosh, 
someone is sending me a clue. Death is on my <laughs> death is after me. So for like a day, I kind of had that feeling. Well, the, what's what's great about his name is that the the names of the characters are all named after horror film directors. Right, like so Kevin Sawa's character is named Todd Bryan, director of Dracula and Freaks. I forgot who the other ones were, but I know uh, Sean William Scott's character's last name is Hitchcock. So I don't know. It's been a while to watch a movie. Yeah, but it was just like, but how how? <laughs> but it's like, what are the odds of an Alex Browning? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so just like um, 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 Castaway. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks's character is called Chuck. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I also had those feelings too. I, I will say uh, that is a, the Final Destination franchise is a great view into Matt's um, type of horror movies actually because I love the first one but I hate the sequels and mm-hmm. I hate the sequels because all they come is a, all they become is like a gross out gore fest. Yeah, um, and that's just not, shock, just yeah. shock cinema. It's just shock cinema. That's they're, not my they're, thing. They're not. They're not. They're not. A, they're, they're not a very entertaining or b very mm-hmm. scary. Like Final Destination, just... there's so much dread in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's a dark cloud hanging over your head that entire film, where it's like something's gonna go wrong. Yeah, but it has that one moment where that girl unexpectedly gets hit by a bus, and suddenly Dude. somebody was like, "Every sequel must be that scene, <laughs> yeah. just for two hours." Yeah, every sequel is that greatest Except reaction in, in a theater I have ever it. heard. Oh when my I gosh! Saw that in the you know, the, the only moment better probably is um, Mean Girls. No, is the Brad Pitt movie. Uh, um, seven. Uh, Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black. Oh. Where he unexpectedly oh, yeah. gets hit by a car. Two cars. And bounces between two cars. He bounces <laughs> a total of three times before. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen, I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the, that shot. And it is so hilariously computer generated. Like, it's yeah. so obviously fake that it's he just boom, very funny. boom, boom. And then so I'm the, I, the, the The point of all of this is that there is a sort of exercising going on when we watch movies like this. And... Um, and one of the articles I read, Purdue University did a study where it is actually just men, so I can't really speak for, for the ladies, but where they, they studied men as they were watching horror films. And as their heartbeats escalated during the fearful scenes, they were experiencing more enjoyment as, as it was happening. So the, 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 the theory that this guy came up with uh, is said that there's it's sort of tied into uh, something more tribal in us and that – we want to sort of conquer something that is fearful, something that is scary, something that is horrifying, well, just to say that we did it, yeah. and just for the experience itself, that we survived. Well, I, it kind yeah, of comes it, back to, 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 to tribal um, tradition where, like, you know, young boys are going to the forest and they would come back men, you know. Yeah. Well, I think of – I think of um, – it makes me think of, of Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Where he talks about like, because he's you know sort of encapsulating the state of males in Generation X, and he's saying you know as they're as they're entering the professional realm, he's saying you know our we are generation we have no great war to define us. Our war is the war of the spirit and this whole kind of thing. Like not that I'm endorsing Tyler Jordan because he is. In case anyone doesn't know this, Tyler Jordan is a bad guy. He is a super <laughs> villain, and you should not be Tyler, putting posters of him on your wall Ty- or putting your quotes putting quotes of him on your Facebook or Twitter because he is a bad person. He's a bad guy. If you don't understand again, that, you don't understand Fight Club. And again, another movie all about human suffering. Right. Carry on. So, but that but that idea though, I think I think there's a there's there's a resonating truth to that is that we are a generation that is very comfortable in the sense that we don't have a great struggle to define us the way that like World War II defined a generation, the Viet- Vietnam War define a generation um you know we our struggle our struggles are you know somewhat 
you know, different and intangible. And so, and, but we've evolved to have that, right? I mean, we are, we have, you know, millions of years behind us of going out and, you know, hunting mastodons and, um, you know, that kind of thing. That's part of our, that's part of our, our genetic makeup. It's part of our genetic memory. And so I think there's some truth to that, that we, you know, for most people, you know, like for me, I get that satisfaction, um, I've, or I've had that satisfaction. I'm not in the shape for it right now to do it, but I, I've had that satisfaction going out and surfing hurricane waves. Yeah, you know, fifteen twenty foot waves. That sense of conquering something. That sense of like knowing that you know you could get seriously hurt or killed by these conditions. Right. You know, most people in America don't have that kind of experience. They don't have that. Yeah. They're not afforded that ability because they don't live near a coast. And so. You know, I think, I think there's some truth to that, that we, we, we go and we see scary movies, we go on roller coasters, we do all of those things. We want to be scared because it allows, particularly men, because right. again, that's all we can speak of based off this study, that men want to feel that sense of, of, of battling, confronting, and conquering. And you, you also, once you think about it, you know, our ancestors, our ancient ancestors fought monsters. Right. I feel like the, I feel like that fits for me anyway. That, that idea fits with things like um, when I went on a Colorado camping trip and we went to climb this gigantic mountain and we're from Florida where were you reading, were, were you reading wild at heart while you did this? Um, no. <laughs> no, but it's a, sorry, I couldn't resist. It's, it's Mount Beerstadt and it's really high and it's like the kind of high where your ears are popping and you're getting dizzy and all kind of stuff. Um, in those kind of moments, I would say I have that feeling of like, this is something I want to accomplish, something I want to overcome. Um, a roller coaster, I think, is somewhere in between that, this idea mm-hmm. of conquering, overcoming a fear. Um, but I think it also fits into, for me, what I love about scary movies, and again, why I feel that they're, they're, the majority of it is meant to be a shared experience. That's the way I like it. Right. I like to I like to watch um, ideally in a theater full of people, and it's the one time where I'm okay with the audience that won't be quiet because I love the the nervous laughter, the like oh my goodness, you think it's gonna happen now kind of stuff. Um, or I love like when it's just like you and a friend at the house with no lights. It's just pitch black and the TV's on and it's late yeah. and it's this movie. Um, but to me, it's about, like, this shared experience and this idea that, like, and I'm reading way into it here. Like, if you caught me on a normal day and were like, tell me what it's like to go to a scary movie. I'd be like, oh, I love jumping. Um, <laughs> but when I really think about it, like, my brother and I love to go to scary movies together. Um, my brother is, um, he's the, goes to the gym, works out. Um, all the time. He's a, he's a police officer. He deals with stuff in real life. I've, I've never had to see. Um, he, he's like, he's like the man. But when I go to a scary movie, me and him are on the same plane. We walk (laughs) into that door, we sit in that seat, we jump at the same stuff. We laugh at each other about the same things. Um, we both, we have, I, I told JP, I came up with my own kind of rating structure for scary movies. And there's the back herders where I leave with like my back actually hurts because I was tense through the whole movie. So the muscles hurt in my back. Um, and my brother and I do that and you walk out and you're both like, you're like little kids. Oh, it was so scary when that happened. I know. And you jumped so loud. It was hilarious when the person behind it. Um, to me, I love that. Like, 
what the what scary movies and the the thriller the horror genre what they do for me is it taps into something that we all know is part of us we're all afraid of something something scares all of us and it goes back to like what you're saying about the the halloween thing that death is something that everybody's scared of if you're honest i mean if you have faith, you know there's more to it, and we have faith and keep going. But there's there's always a fear. There's a little bit of that fear there. Of well, and the, and the nature of faith also, the nature of faith also leaves room for the possibility that you're wrong. Right, right. And there's that there's that 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 little bit there. That, you know that fear of of death. And when you go into these movies and you have this shared experience of watching the person on the screen overcome something or lose to something. But you're all scared to death. You're all jumping. You're all like near heart attack. Your back hurts from being tense the whole time. And some people are listening right now going, that's exactly why I don't go to them. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but then you walk out the door. You walk out the door and it, it it's over. It was done. It was a movie. Except when and, it sticks in your brain and you can't sleep. Well, and those those people, I would say, shouldn't be watching them. I agree with you. Hey, and um, I don't. Which is why I don't. <laughs> which is why we don't take Father Chuck to watch scary movies. Um, but Chuck likes Alien. Yeah, but you love a frightening movie. But um, I love the I love the production design. Okay. The the, the rapey production design. Hey man, I'm just <laughs> Giger. I love Giger's art. I know I'm a weird. It's weird. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Have you read a Giger book? It's weird. Yeah, dude. Necronom 4. <laughs> I've read it. Y'all y'all just go down your little rabbit trails. It's just, you're just yeah. gone. I don't Sorry. know what's going on anymore. What's, <laughs> what's going to happen is one of our listeners is going to be like, oh, what's what's H.R. Giger? What's Necronom? And they're going to be like, and Char- Father Chuck. <laughs> Letter to the bishop. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that these, I think this genre since back in literature and the books like we we're talking about, like Mary Shelley when she's at the like the the story of how she wrote Frankenstein is is supposedly what the story is now is she's at some party where they basically have like a bet of who can write the scariest it's story. The year without a summer. Um, and she so she wrote this book. There is something about us. It's like sitting around the campfire and telling ghost stories. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a part of us that shares in this realization that we have fear acknowledging and embracing that it's there and then turning it and saying we're going to use this as something to enjoy and bring us closer together Um, which is why i would argue that a lot of the movies you were saying father chuck that you don't like are the same ones i don't i think that they're just out to gross you out they're out to try and like mess you up and make you feel awful about yourself and humanity um, I, st- I, I, I watch him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking to JP because he's all about <laughs> it. But, um, but that's why there's those no that soul. like there's those that I don't find any kind of like enjoyment in personally. But then there's the ones that I'm like, we're all afraid, and you can either live life based on fear, where you're afraid of things, or you can take fear itself, and at least in these little moments for a couple hours in a dark theater, turn it into something that. I'm not going to be afraid of you. I'm actually going to enjoy you. I'm going to allow myself to experience it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to react to it. I'm going to scream like I'm I'm going to scream as high-pitched as my five-year-old daughter. Um, but I'm going to leave that room energized and laughing about it. And to me, that's that's what I love about scary movies. I love going with people 
and having a two-hour experience where my back hurts because I'm so tense, but then leaving just laughing and talking about what just happened. Um, so, so fear can so, be fun. Yeah, it can. So, I so think two, so. so two things, two things. Um, one, we talk about fear of death, and all horror movies are sort of related in, related in the idea of either fear of pain or fear of death, right? Well, I right. think it all is ultimately fear of death. Well, I here's think the thing: that's the ultimate fear <laughs> I, I, is it. But the thing is, is the number one fear, at least among Americans, the number one fear consistently is actually public speaking, not mm-hmm. death. So why haven't we like why don't we do movies about public speaking? <laughs> why aren't horror movies about public speaking? Um, why don't we tap into that kind of that kind of fear? And that's but and that's another thing. You say that, but like I was telling Heather once that like I love The King's Speech should be the scariest movie ever. It, it is terrifying. <laughs> I I love speaking in front of an audience. Oh yeah. But it's because it terrifies me. Oh, really? Like, I love, I tell her, I love the moment. And my wife's like, that makes no sense. But I love the moment right before I'm supposed to talk. Where, like, I've been ready. I've thought about what I'm going to say. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then about 10 minutes before, all of a sudden, I'm, like, nauseous. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What was I here for? What's going on? I love that moment. And then when you walk up and I start going, it's gone. Like, it's gone and I enjoy it. But I actually love that moment. I would argue it's kind of like like you get a tattoo and, you know, like you go home and you clean it and you take care of it. And then you have this tattoo and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then anybody who's got a tattoo knows. And if you say no, I think you're lying. At some point, you're all of a sudden like, I kind of miss oh, the, yeah. the pain of getting it and the process of taking care of it. Oh, totally. That's like, like that's one. what... That's what takes you back in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It's totally um, true. To me, it's like public speaking. I love the the pain before it and the joy when it's done, and that's I what mean, takes me back. You know, um, you guys talk a lot about how there, there there's a sort of threshold you won't cross when it comes to movies. I I don't have that threshold, um, but you know, recently, I know JP, I, you made me watch The Witch. I don't I don't actively seek it out because. I, I, I do get scared by movies. Like, I, I still get scared by Poltergeist and um, Alien, actually, and The Exorcist. Um, but there there's some... there. I think, since I'm a horror fan, there's already a little inkling of something in my head that's like, oh, you're not supposed to watch this. You should go totally watch it. So it's like, it's when I hear stuff. something that's like the most the goriest thing ever, the worst thing ever, people are, are are passing out in this movie. There's already there's already a piece of me. It's like I got to see this. Yeah, and it's the it's the spectacle. It's the the watching the train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it, but you know, as you guys know, <laughs> JP is a total baby when it comes to wounds in the real world. Um, <laughs> but which is pretty funny, yeah. Oh but my gosh. I actually watched a movie a couple months ago with a friend of mine um, because I, she is also into horror movies like I am. And I was telling we were talking about The Last House on the Left and the sort of the impact it had on audiences and stuff and how it was so horrible. Um, and then she had said that, like, I wish people were pushing the boundaries like that still. And I was like, well, well the, the, they totally are. And, and I, entitled I, to be bleeped. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I listed I listed some films that I had heard. Actually, no, that, that's not true. I listed a film that I had watched the first eight minutes of and then got really creeped out and turned it off and gave it back to the person that let me borrow it. And when I told her that, she's like, we have to watch it now. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, did you not hear what I said? Like, I stopped watching it. I, JP, stopped watching it. <laughs> but we ended up watching it together. So I, I told her, like, you know, I, I turned this movie off. I'm not, let's watch it. So we watched it. And these are the exact words I said to her when we were finished watching it. I don't know why I like the things I like. <laughs> <laughs> it was that disturbing. And even she was like, yeah, I'm going to take a break from horror movies for a little while after this one. Wow. Yeah, and I and, and, I and was, at the time I, I I felt sick. Today, it's like, like I can say that. Like that's a funny story. Like that's, that's you know, I yeah, did it. But but I would say that for me, those are the movies I don't like. <laughs> like right. if I, right. I there are some that I went into the theater, started watching, and all of a sudden it made me question. Like maybe all of this is wrong. Like maybe, <laughs> um, and those are the ones I don't. But scary movies in and of themselves, there's so many of them I do love, and I would still stand by, are incredibly great movies and experiences to have with people. Um, like JP, you can argue whether the movie's any good or not, but still, one of my all-time favorite moments ever, and I'm pretty sure you were there, JP, was Tiffany Happel's house, where a whole group of us got together and watched What Lies Beneath. Oh yeah, I was there. I I loved that. Like that's the stuff I'm talking about. Like we're we're I, all like this huge group of people at our house watching this movie. When it ends, nobody wants to move. Like yeah. they don't want and to turn the lights on. What's funny like, about that movie? What's What's funny about that movie? I was working at a movie theater when that was out in theaters, mm -hmm. and no one was expecting it to do well at all. Um, but when those first audiences saw it and they were like legitimately creeped out, everyone had to go see it. Mm -hmm. And so like there were times where I just kind of walked in the theater and just heard everybody screaming. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. And that's what I love. Like I, that, that's one of my all time favorites is that moment yeah. of. And to me, that's the thing is it's always tied to this experience, not just the movie. Um, I actually can't right now can't think of a scary movie that I sat by myself and watched and was like, oh, that was incredible. It's yeah. always an experience. Father Chuck, what are you afraid of the most? The most? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't even like, what are you afraid of right now? It's what are you afraid of the most? <laughs> uh, cockroaches. Really? <laughs> Completely, totally true. What yes. is it with you people on cockroaches? They're just, they they're... are a living nightmare. <laughs> They, uh, I would, I, I'd especially argue. the flying ones, right? The ones with wings. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I would have to say, without a doubt, that is my single greatest fear: they is are. a cockroach. Really? Um, yeah. Right here. And Solidarity. it's weird. And, the, and the, nice. <laughs> I, like spiders, they don't really bother me that much. Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> there was a wolf spider in our. There was a wolf spider in my house uh, the other day, and mm -hmm. I scooped it up and took it outside because I didn't want it to get killed because I know that they're good for eating other things in the house, like they eat roaches and stuff. But like a roach, like, and it's weird to me because like. It's a specific kind of roach too. It's it is the, the American cockroach, the it's ones with the stinking, wings. It's a stinking Florida. The Florida mascot is yeah. what it is. And like stinking things. Mis so, often oftenly mis misidentified as a palmetto bug. Um like the actual legitimate palmetto bug doesn't bother me. No, those things as, are massive too, and I'm just like but Haha, the American cockroach. But a roach? Thing, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, man. Like except for that like the Madagascar hissing cockroach. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> Forget that nonsense. Um, I'm not even so sure did you ever see the movie Creep Show? No, no. The part where the guy gets attacked by roaches? No, absolutely <laughs> or the not. the episode of X-Files? <laughs> no, you yeah. see this? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I can't do it. Uh, I can't do it. No, and, no. and 
Roaches. Yeah, that, that's it. That's my that's my legitimate fear, man. Like that that is that is my really. Single. That was my. I am like a little little child. Tana can tell you this. My wife. If there is a roach in the house, like if 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 I can't kill it or see it dead, I will not sleep. I won't. Oh it. yeah, I I remember when, <laughs> I remember when Matt and I. I was at your house, Matt, and we were outside. I think I was leaving or something. I almost died. And no, 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 it wasn't you. It was Heather. I heard this blood curdling scream from inside your house, and it scared you and me to death. Like, did someone just break into the house? And like, you ran inside, and it was a cockroach. Yeah, but she actually handles them great. What happened there is she almost stepped on the thing. And oh. that's, that's what <laughs> she's actually the one I send to kill them. Oh, so oh. I'm terrified. <laughs> so listen, listen to what I did the other day. So we had Hurricane Matthew coming. So we had to like clean up, you know, we had to like protect all of our stuff. So I had to put all of our like yard furniture on our porch. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I had to do was I had to put all of my, all of my kids toys in like this bin. Ours is infested with the roaches. Yeah. So I opened it up and there's a, there's a dead roach. There's a dead roach. At least it was dead. In the thing. And the deal is, like, I know I got to get it out of there because I don't want it touching my kids' toys. I hate picking them up. But here's the thing. I was like, I'm already outside. Like, I'm not about to go run inside. And I decided, Father Chuck is facing his fear. I <laughs> barehanded that dead roach. <laughs> I did. And when I say barehanded, I mean, I, like, I grabbed, like, the smallest part of its leg with my fingers, like, and just, like, flung it, like, like so, like, like, childishly. But I did it. I did it. I touched one. No, um, my... My my worst fear was realized um, almost completely. When you started this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you don't live in Florida, there's going to be judgmental thoughts based on this story because you're going to think, ew, you're, you must be gross. But if you live in Florida, this is, I mean, roaches are a natural part of life. You're, you can't not have one in your house at some point. It's true. So, like, if you hear roach in someone's house, you're like, ew, that must be disgusting. No, if you're in Florida, you realize they're just around. But my, yeah. I was I was asleep one night, and my wife shot up in the bed, like, sat straight up, jumped, scared me to death. I was like, babe, what in the world is going on? And she's like, I, I felt something crawly. <laughs> and I turned the light on, and there's this big roach on the floor running around. Um, it had crawled across her arm and face while she was oh, sleeping. Um, I didn't sleep in our room for two weeks. <laughs> I slept on the couch because upstairs we have a white tile floor, and I can see them coming. <laughs> so I slept on the couch for, I went, for like two weeks. I once fetched a surfboard. I was going surfing early in the morning, and I grabbed this surfboard that had been sitting in the grass to put on my car, and I had it mm-hmm. on my head as I'm like holding it on my head to like lift it mm-hmm. into my car. And then I feel something on my neck. It was a four-inch cockroach crawling on my neck. And I grabbed it and flung it. Oh, man. But um, – oh, no, no. Here you go. Do you, do, do you guys want a legitimate terrifying story to creep this oh. – for this episode? Okay. Go ahead. Go. Guy that I – this guy that – I'm not going to say any names because to protect the innocent. But um, someone I know – Growing up, wakes up in the middle of the night, screaming in pain. Okay, intense, intense pain in his ear. Mm-mm. All right. So the, he can't. He so to, they rush him to the hospital. Like his wife gets him, they rush him to the hospital. They get him in there, and the doctor uses the thing you know, look in the ear, Mm-mm. and he sees legs. Oh, three inch cockroach. Oh my gosh! Had burrowed itself in his ear canal and could not get out. Oh my god. So they had to use like some tweezers and stuff to pull this thing out of his ear. So True I will story. Be, I will be praying through my my repentance of the fear I will have tonight when I can't sleep. 
Um, <coughs> see, scary movies, people, like, come on, grow up, it's a movie. What what Father Chuck just told me will keep me awake for months. So thank a lot. Thanks a lot, Dara. Thank a lot. Thanks for, a lot. For, Blame JP for talking about fear. For me, for me, it's snakes. Really? Oh, yeah. I had a traumatizing experience. Tell, tell me. Tell us. Um, when I was 10 years old and I was living here in Oklahoma, um, we have water moccasins. Oh, nice. Um, and they're very dangerous. Yep. And I was walking on our on our, our property. Uh, this we have this little lot. See, well, we have water moccasins because we live like on a pond, and our lot is is connected to the pond. You go down a ledge and like you're you're in the pond. You're in water. So I'm walking in this lot called Lot Eleven, and I see a water moccasin. It's not curled up or anything. It's just like sprawled out on the ground. Like I I thought it was dead. It wasn't moving or anything, and so. I picked up a uh, this tray that's used to hold like plants, you know, like little little plastic pots of, of plants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just like I just I just fling it at the thing, and this and the the snake, no lie, like it it just started like like jumping up and down toward me, and I I, I ran so fast, like it, it, from from then on, like snakes, no, can't do it, really? no, nope. like none at all. None. Zero. Do not put a snake in my presence. I mean, if they're behind something, it's cool. There's actually I'm actually in the presence of a snake right now. Really? There's one in your in your in the room here you're recording? Yeah, it's in an aquarium. I'm not but afraid of it. But you can't touch it. No, sir. No. <laughs> no, so no, my, no. So my first so for listeners, my first job ever was working at a pet store that sold fish and reptiles and all kinds of things. So I've been bit by so many snakes, dude. Ah, that's my worst nightmare. Really? Yes. It's not, that, it's not that bad. Man, that's – oh, gosh. No. So like when this one time um, I was watching my sister's house during a hurricane and before the hurricane came in, uh, she lives in a fairly big house and I was taking care of her dogs. And before the hurricane came in, there was like a snake. There was like a good foot-long snake that was just slithering there. I don't know what kind it was. I don't remember what color. It was a green snake, whatever. And – it was, the hurricane was coming. I wasn't going to call like animal control or something. I was like, I got to do something about this snake. And so I, I got a, um, um, a broom and I just, I battled the snake and like tried to brush it out the door, the front door. She has a marble, she, she has marble floors. So it's like, I could just, sl- I kept sliding it and it was like attacking the broom. It was the scariest night of my life. <laughs> I woke up, I woke up, um, in my old house one morning and, um, um, there was a snake on our little bit of like maybe like maybe a foot tops um just like dead on our floor coming out of our bedroom we, i guess it i guess it like or it might have been alive i don't know but it was like the the tile was cold so it kind of went into like hibernation mode yeah i just picked it up and threw it outside here's a florida brown so it wasn't poisonous but yeah dude i've been bit i've been bit i got bit my best bite was a um about a four foot reticulated python <laughs> oh god bit me on the thumb and uh, constricted on – so it bit me on my left thumb and it constricted around my right hand. It actually cut off blood flow to my right hand. My hand oh, my God. Numb. And uh, I couldn't – so I couldn't get the snake off. Oh, jeez. And so JP won't be sleeping tonight either. So the, be- and the best part about this is for some reason on Friday nights at my pet store – um, people who were who people would smoke a lot of pot and they would come into our pets or want to play with the snakes. I, I don't know if that was like cool, like while you're high or something. I don't know, but like, <laughs> these people were just like, I mean, you could smell it on them, and they're just like, "You see snakes, man." So like, I pulled the snake out and it bit me and um, constricted on my hand. And uh, well, what do you do when they constrict on your hand? Do you just like they just tell it to 
just you just so I so I walked up I walked up the center aisle with it and um, blood running down my arm and um, and I and I walk up to my manager at the cash register. People are screaming and running because the the best part about this is the most direct path from the reptile room to the cash register where my manager was was the dog food aisle and that's sort of like the safe zone where like. You know, people who don't like snakes, they kind of hang out, and this is sort of the yeah. thing. So, no joke. People are screaming and running from me as I'm holding <laughs> this snake. And I walk up to my manager, and her name was Sandy, and I said, Sandy, I was like, I need help. And so she's like, okay, well, come over here with me. And she dunks my hand in a um, um, in a big tank that has goldfish for, like, feeding other fish. And it was, like, feeder fish. She dunks my hands in that, and you know, she's like, eventually it'll, you know, suffocate and let go. That's sort of her logic. And I was like, well, Sandy, it's a python. Pythons are water snakes. They can hold their breath for a very long time. I'm not sitting here for like an hour. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. So she pulls my hands out of the goldfish tank. And the only thing she can think to do is take a ballpoint pen and wedge it between its mouth and my thumb and just pull, like just pry uh, the thing. And, like, pythons have hooked teeth. They have, like, hooked, yeah. like hooked teeth. So it tore my thumb up. Oh my god! And um, so this, what's funny about this is, um, this is one of those stories where I'd come home from work and my mom would see band aids on my fingers and she'd be like, "I don't want to know." <laughs> I literally got bit by everything constantly, like bit lizards, birds, fish, all kinds of stuff. Um, and um, so, like, you know, gerbils, whatever. So my mom's probably hearing this story for the first time in her life. Oh, this has all been very terrifying. I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault, Seriously. man. You want to talk about fear? Yeah. <laughs> But I think, and I think, like to get to get serious for closing closing us out here because we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, I think the, that those are phobias, which lead to which is which more of a form to, of anxiety. Yeah, which lead to a legitimate fear aspect. Like for me, sharks. For you, snakes. Um, for Father Chuck here, roaches, which I share in roaches. If there was a roach shark, just forget it. Um, but but uh, trust me, Sci Fi Channel will hear that and make a movie. Um, but I think that there's the, the fears that most of us deal with, like if I'm being honest, um, the fear that I have to, I have to not allow to control my life. Um, for me, it's the fear of not being, not meaning anything. Um, I, I get so hung up on this idea that like, I'm not accomplishing something. Um, I've been a stay at home dad for over two years now. And I allow this fear of like being seen as a failure or being seen as not accomplishing. I've allowed it to ruin moments of my life where I've allowed that to control things, um, where I've had moments that I could have enjoyed experiences that should have meant so much that I allowed to pass by because I'm bitter or upset about wanting to be in that next place in life. Um, so I think like there's there's that fear of not accomplishing something, the fear of being seen as a failure, um, a fear of of not um, not meaning anything, is one that I think a lot of a lot of people deal with. Um, then there's like the fear of death, um, mm-hmm. and I think that these these are the fears that to me you allow to get a foothold in your life. They can they can destroy your life. Like, um, I think they're the kind of fears that lead people down paths that are self-destructive or even criminal. Um, I mean, you have people breaking laws because they're afraid that they'll never have enough. They'll never accomplish enough. So they just go the other route. Um, and to me, that's, I mean, the, the thing that to me battles that is, is, is faith. Um, and having that, 
that faith in in God and the faith in the fact that I'm here for a reason and faith in the truth that every single thing I do has purpose and has meaning. Um, and then to realize, like, personally, to realize I spend so much time afraid that I'm going to be seen as a failure when I've been a stay-at-home dad for two years, which means I've had the most incredible opportunity to impact two lives that are going to forever forever be shaped by what I did during those two years. Um, and just to, to realize the, the importance of, of, of us, the importance of you, the person listening right now, um, the importance that you have, and that right now is the time you have to, to live to impact that, to do that, to, to make a difference. And whoever's around you right now, or if you're by yourself, the choices that you make right now, they matter and they mean something. Um, and that those those are those are powerful things to to hold on to to hold on to in in the face of fear to hold on to the truth that the things that I can't control to be afraid of those I mean you can't control it why 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 am I going to be afraid of that um and then to focus on the things that I can and the only thing I can control is what I'm going to do right now with the moment that I have um, and so Very true. to make the right choice in the in light of that. It's what we do with the time we have, as Gandalf put it. That's yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel according to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think it's a good place to end it. What do you guys think? Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Father Chuck, Matt Wells, thank you for your insight. Join us next week. How much LaCroix water do you have to drink in order to travel back in time? <laughs> Some studies say a whole case. I say two. Man, that stuff's everywhere now, isn't it? <laughs> I tried some. It's not bad. Actually, uh, this other stuff is better. It's called sparkling ice. Um, it just has more of a taste. All right. But it's also all natural. So Let's get, let's get a sponsorship. <laughs> That's a good idea. Great. So thank you so much for joining us. Good journey, everybody. Good journey.